sports conversation with James Navalance on the Believe Network. Uh, joining us today, Matt Perino, uh, Buffalo Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. Uh, I'm really appreciative of your time joining us today. Ah, oh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, so I love getting the people's backgrounds, knowing their stories, what kind of makes them who they are. Um, so if you could just give a little general background of you getting into this industry and kind of your growth uh, throughout your career. Yeah, so I, I grew up in uh, Amherst, uh, New York, right outside of Buffalo. Um, actually, funny enough, dropped out of high school. Um, my parents had moved us around a little bit. Uh, I, I was, I think, in four schools in three years. Um the second to last one was in Dallas, Texas, where my dad took a job for eight months. Uh, so that was pretty wild at 15 years old, going cross country and then coming right back after it didn't. My mom didn't love it. So we came back. Um, and so with another school change, I just got to the point where I was like, uh, I can't do it again, like make new friends, like go through the, you know, the whole process again. Uh, so it took me a little bit longer than most people to kind of find my career. I mean, I from the time I was 16 until... 23, 24, didn't have a whole lot of direction. Um, didn't really know what I want to do. And one day, like my uh, my uncle actually was, we were just sitting around. And I, when we when fantasy football started, I put together like a pick 'em like football league for our family members. And so I would, I ran the league as the commissioner, but I also sent out like a weekly newsletter. And so I would like. I would interview people like family members and like put together these kind of like featurey little like like small short stories for the newsletter. And my uncle one day said to me, he's like, you you live, breathe and, you know, football, basketball. Why don't you just go be like a sports reporter? You've done it before in, in our family. And I, it never clicked. I never put those two things mm -hmm. together like as an option. Uh, so I, I um, signed up for school at Erie Community College, got my GED uh, a few years prior. Um, met a lot of really important professors that kind of helped, you know, shape my path, transferred to the University of Buffalo, horns up, right back here, um, and really just took off from there. Getting a chance to cover a Division One athletic program, uh, the way that I was at the Spectrum, at, at, uh, the student newspaper at UB, you know, it, it, it allowed me to become a journalist overnight. And I, before I left, I want to a national award for a feature I wrote on a basketball player, Xavier Ford. Uh, my first job out of school was uh, the sports editor at a very small local newspaper where I was covering six high schools. Um, got to make a lot of mistakes in about a year and a half. And then, you know, got just super lucky with this opportunity to go run UFC.com out in Vegas um, for five years. It was life changing. It was a thrill of a lifetime. I mean, I traveled all over the world covering all the biggest fights. Uh, Conor McGregor's prime to come up. And then right before I got out right before the come down. Yeah. And then um, this opportunity, the idea was always to get back to Buffalo. My wife's from here. I'm from here. Uh, I grew up a, a huge Buffalo Bills fan. And I think had you asked me, like when I got into this, the, the dream landing spot would be to cover the Bills. And when, that, when I saw this job opening pop up, had a few conversations with people back here, uh, went through the process. It worked out. And now it's, man, it's, it'll be five years next July. It's flown by. Uh, and I get to cover uh, an NFL football team, which is pretty cool. No, that, that is awesome. Just, yeah. So kind of give me a little bit more 
detail just on, you know, covering the UFC? Like, did you have any interest? Per- Obviously, like, over the UFC over the last, I would say, decade or so, like, has really spiked, really jumped with mm-hmm. all these, you know, showcase events. Was that even something you remotely thought, like, hey, this is an area, like, I know a little bit about, like, I have interest, or no, an opportunity just ca- happened and you kind of learned a lot on the fly uh, being out in Vegas and covering the UFC? You got to go through life, especially your career, with your eyes like wide open because an idea is going to pop at any, you know, any time. It could it could pop at any time. When I met my wife, my um, my new brother-in-law, his name is Scott, loved the UFC. I, I watched it like in its early days. Like me and my brother actually would sit down uh, in the back room. And funny enough, my dad had like at the time they were called like cheater boxes. Like you could like get these boxes that like will give you all the pay-per-view channels and everything like that. I think he got it from my uncle, not to throw my uncle under the bus. Um, but um, so we got all the UFC pay-per-view. So me and my brother, we would get, find all the coins um, in the house, like uh, pennies, dimes. And we would like bet on the fights, even though we didn't know who the, these right. guys were. It was just something yeah. fun to do. And then, so when, when I found out that my brother-in-law liked, like MMA, I was like, oh, okay, like something to bond over. Like I'm, I might be like joining this family. So we'd go out and watch the fights together. And within two or three events, I had signed up for Netflix and had ordered the entire library of UFC fights going back to UFC one. And in like three months, I made it through every single one up to UFC 89. And just fell in love with the sport. And as I was covering the high schools um, at the time of one news, that small newspaper I was at, um, MMA was illegal. Professional MMA was illegal at the time in New York. It, it finally was legalized. I think it was in 2016, 2015, yeah. 2017, 16. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but you couldn't have pro events. But you can have amateur events. And the biggest amateur outfit in New York State of MMA was Victory MMA in North Tonawanda, New York. So a bunch of those dudes that like were involved with that spot, they had gone to Tonawanda High School, North Tonawanda High School. So I went out and I just wanted to see what it was all about, wrote a couple stories, started covering their events, and really started to understand MMA on the grassroots level. And so I think I was... I offered something to the UFC twofold. Number one, I was really educated on the sport by the time I had applied for the job. And number two... I was a journalist from New York state and they were trying to find talented people from other big, bigger States that are, that are doing, that are doing more in journalism um, and all fields, really marketing, PR mm-hmm. um, production, anything that you want to think about. And they were, they were, they were looking for those people. And I was just lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time, was able to kind of have the conversations and wow them enough uh, to give them, give me the opportunity and it and change my life. No, this is amazing. Uh, and, and you know what's so funny? Like, both things. Like, getting into it initially, and then the UFC component is, like, all, all family-based. You know what I mean? Like, you said, hey, it was your uncle who told hey, get into sports reporting, sports writing. And then your brother-in-law into the UFC, just going out to watch with him, and then you yourself mm-hmm. get hooked to it. So, no, that, that is really great. Uh, now take me to the dream job, though. Covering the Buffalo Bills, um, just over the progression of now, like since you started to cover them and kind of where you are now with them in terms of their overall growth. Because obviously over the last five years or so, like since Sean McDermott's gotten there and after Rex Ryan got fired, like it's taken another height, Josh Allen, his progression. So just what's that evolvement been like since you've covered them? 
So I picked I picked a really good time to, to, to jump aboard the beat. I um, 17 years of losing, um, you know, it took a toll on the fan base. And I think probably a lot of people in the in the media core, because like, you know, our main job is to ask everybody involved in the operation questions about how the thing is going. And when you spend 17 years with different regimes as, asking the same questions about how to figure things out, it could get pretty monotonous and um, you know, uh, depressing. So this has been a, a situation where they've gone to the playoffs three out of four years. It's about to be four out of five. They went in this season as the Super Bowl favorite. And, you know, now you're looking at this thing, if they could get the one seed, what that would look like to cover a team to go all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, the funniest thing about doing this is that one of the things that you kind of leave at the door when you take the job that I took was my fanhood, which I spent 35 years living and, and and breathing and dying with everything buffalo bills football i was in the i was in a casino in vegas in in january of 18 when the bills broke the playoff drought right like when when andy dalton threw that touchdown pass and then watched the game the next week and i go from that in january to start being at training camp in july as the new bills beat reporter for syracuse.com so it was a kind of a, a weird trip like transition but what i've learned about people all the time ask me like does it suck that you had to do that like like put put aside your fandom and it's like no because i get access to this team that i never would have gotten like as a fan and even though like what when when everybody was kind of living up and down during 13 seconds uh against the chiefs in the divisional round game last night i was working man i was you know it's 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 a different kind of high and I get to still experience the joy of it through all my family members. My wife is a huge Bills fan. She's raising my son a Bills fan. And um, so it's great. And I, getting a chance to just cover the NFL, like an NFL team, is such a – there's only 32 markets that you get to do this. And this is the best one, in my opinion. I mean, I've, I've been around to almost every stadium in every market. I've talked to beat reporters in every single one. And there's some more glamorous ones. You know, Marcel Louis-Jacques, who covered the the Bills for ESPN for two seasons, he went to Miami and, you know, he's on SportsCenter all the time, um, living that South South Florida life. It, it's big time and he's, yeah. and he's doing great stuff. But I think he'd probably tell you if he was being completely honest that it's it does. It pales in comparison to the level of just sheer 365 days a year. Mm-hmm interest that bills fans have in this team every part of it everything that happens you know people want to talk about it and when you have that as your job it energizes you constantly knowing that there's going to be a massive audience for your content whether it be my articles my podcasts when i'm on channel four before the game on the cbs affiliate so it's amazing it's everything that i i dreamed it would be and um just uh, enjoying the ride no, that that care factor, and obviously, like from the outside perspective, like there's no fan base that it's like Bills Mafia, like there's just a certain vibe. Obviously, I I think the weather has a component of it as well. You know, the snow, the cold, but it's really that you know that that give a shit factor. Like you know, like no matter what, as you said, like 17 years of like just disaster, like not no success, but it, the level of commitment and care really never went away. You know, and now it's now they're getting all the publicity because of the winning, but that mm-hmm. fandom, that that interest, really uh, has not subsided. You know, if we're in, let's be honest, if we're like in 
LA with all these other interests, like like the Rams aren't doing great right now. Like there's not as much interest as if hey they're they're about to go on a run for a Super Bowl. But with the Bills, you know, some of these other markets, like that interest is gonna be there, you know, all the time. Um now, what would you say since you know you just covering you've pretty much seen all of Josh Allen? Mm-hmm. What is, what do you think his overall growth has been? Not just like on the field, but probably more importantly, just just really being that leader, that franchise guy of the organization. Um, you know, he's had it's it's been um so challenging, I think, for Allen in that um he's had to you know, be the this all-encompassing leader of the team while you know, also developing his own game over the course of his career. And I think we've had this unprecedented development of a quarterback to go from where he was entering the league to where he, you know, is it the, in, in this season. And, you know, he, in a lot of ways, it's created these expectations to be Superman all the time. He's He's in a streak right now. Um, where it's just been kind of above average, right? Like what, what he's done over the course of the last seven games, six games, he had six of his first seven games this season. He had two touchdown passes or more, um, in six of those seven games in the last six games. It's only been two games where he's done that. And those two games, he had two touchdown passes each. Mm -hmm. Now he's had a couple of rushing touchdowns in there. Obviously he's a bit of a dual threat quarterback but when you create those kinds of expectations when things kind of tail off for any stretch of time it's um you know in the fan base there's definitely that level of concern about him and the offense it's why they went out and they signed cole beasley a couple weeks ago they signed john brown um they're trying to add as many and that's one thing that credit to brandon bean he's always done he is he is not proud about this roster. He is not proud about decisions that he made at any point in his tenure. He will pivot at any point if he if he needs to. He'll bring back a guy that in Cole Beasley where it just didn't end well with the hopes of it helping Josh Allen in this offense moving forward. And I've always been super impressed with his ability to do that because when you're in that role as a general manager of a team, you can be really um, stubborn, and he's not. And he's made a couple of pivots over the course of his career in in, in, de- in several different position groups that I think have been impressive. But with Allen, there's been a lot going on this season. There's been a lot of guys dinged up. I think Gabe Davis, who everybody thought was going to have this big breakout season, he's been dealing with an ankle for most of the year. And I think, you know, he'll, he'd be honest. He, he'd say he hasn't lived up to what he even saw for himself. And then with with Allen, he's had this this elbow issue now for seven weeks or so. Uh, I think he's finally starting to feel healthy again. But, you know, when, you, when you've done what he's done in this league and you've had some of the games that he's had in the playoffs, you know, the microscope is going to be zoomed in all the time. And how, he handles it really well. I'm always impressed with the way uh, that he handles it. But it's now about, for quarterbacks in the NFL too, it's about not only what you do to arrive, right? Like that's what we saw in 2020 and 2021, the arrival of Josh Allen. What do you do then to stay Mm. like the staying part of it for Patrick Mahomes after the Super Bowl has been as impressive as the arrival, right? Mm. Because you're going to take the league by storm initially, but then you got to prove it over and over and over again. Mm. And I think, you know, people, a lot of people are not like outwardly writing off Allen, but like there's definitely skepticism 
right now about what we've seen over the last six or seven weeks, but we saw it last year and we saw what he did in the playoffs. So he's, he's definitely a fun player to cover. Absolutely. Um, so go, let's go right here to Sean McDermott. Now, obviously his ascension, he gets there the year before um, Josh Allen, Tyra Taylor, get to the playoffs, uh, lose to Jacksonville, that like nine, seven game up in Buffalo. Um, what, what's his ascension been like? Cause he seems like, one of the more just steady, consistent coaches in the league. So what's he like on a regular basis? Uh, he doesn't like to give away too much. Um, as a journalist, I, I'd say that it's uh, frustrating at times. Um, but it's like that with any coach. Like, I'm not singling out Sean. I mean, most coaches in the NFL outside of maybe like Mike McDaniel or, um, you know, in his first year, he's been pretty like – you know, fun. I would, I would imagine to cover, uh, you know, there's a couple of coaches across the league, you know, John Gruden was somebody that I felt like was, would, would have probably been fun to cover. I mean, Rex Ryan for all the things that he says, Sean McDermott's the the complete opposite and it's been successful. Um, he's completely changed this, this operation to the point where it's, it's so the culture is so is such that, you know, the building, what, what it's like inside there it's almost um, bulletproof in a lot of ways. Like there's so many things that could have thrown the thing off the tracks over the last couple of years. I mean, the COVID stuff, well, it had to be the most challenging thing that McDermott's dealt with. I mean, he came out and was really, you know, um, he, he, he was strong with his words about how he felt that, you know, it was going to be hurting the team if people weren't getting vaccinated because the possibility that they missed time now we saw that play out there was people that didn't get vaccinated mm. they missed time and so it kind of he spoke that into existence in a way and there, there's a lot of players on the team that were had strong anti-vaccination stances and navigating all of that while still making this you know playoff run and, and coming 13 seconds away from you know an a, a second straight afc title game people dreamed of the, of this in buffalo for 20 years as they watched Kyle Orton and JP Lossman and Trent Edwards and, um, you know, EJ Manuel, Ryan Fitzpatrick was fun, but everything else was, was yeah. tough. And so for all of his faults, McDermott, he struggled at times as a, as an in-game coach. And I think that he's been pretty forthcoming with the fact that he needs to be better in some of those areas. Um, his challenge record's not great, but what I think, what it boils down to for me when I'm, when I'm thinking about Sean McDermott is the fact that from 17 on, he's found a way to get the absolute most out of the roster of players that he has. And guys love playing for him so much so that when they leave, they want to come back and, you know, Beasley left as much of a, in as much of a dumpster fire type of situation as anybody could leave in. And he got to Tampa Bay for a couple of weeks, realized how, good he had it in buffalo and now he's back and because and he said yesterday one of the biggest reasons was because of what it's like in the building and mcdermott and bean but you know mostly mcdermott on the day-to-day -day during the season he's responsible for that so i think you gotta give him his credit for the, the way that he's built this thing and sustained it now the overall kind of outlook for this team now we kind of and you've mentioned it like it hasn't been exactly a cruise, you know, they open the season in LA against the Rams, take off. It's just, and then they start hot. And then we have the elbow, um, like a hide out for the year early. Now we have Von Miller here. Who's done. Um, 
What's kind of the overall outlook? Obviously, the defense has been kind of pieced together here by, obviously, Leslie Frazier, one of the best defensive corners in the league. Um, and then, obviously, Sean McDermott's defensive uh, background as well. But what's kind of this outlook here? And they're still in position as the one seed as of today, um, despite kind of all this, uh, all these variables that have happened throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, the injury stuff has been the biggest struggle um, dealing with that. But, I mean, most most NFL teams have to deal with that on the regular. And I think the Bills have been really lucky in that department over the last couple of years. Um, but I think the outlook is now sitting here at 10-3 and three and dealing with all that adversity. And there's still some to go. I mean, going the rest of the way here without Von Miller, who you paid $120 million to um, in March, it's it's not great. But it's also allowing for other guys to maybe step into a whole different role. And there's 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 a an outcome here that could be absolutely perfect for Brandon Bean, no matter what happens in January and February. Miller's going to come back next year. If Rousseau with Miller out takes a step into becoming a legitimate pass rushing force paired with Ed Oliver on the interior, mm-hmm. this defensive line in 2023 is probably the scariest in the league, or at least among the scariest. You have Josh Allen, you have Stefan Diggs. Uh, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Jordan Poyer. There's some uh, long-term contract issues that got to get figured out, but there's a lot of talent on this roster from top to bottom. And so I think right now you've gone on the road this season, you've beaten the Chiefs, you've gone on the road, you were down big to the Ravens, you came back and you won that game against a pretty good defense. You've you know, beat the Lions a couple weeks ago and you were banged up and you had to play two games in, th- in four days. Lions have looked like the be- one of the best teams in football over the last six or seven weeks. Um, the Bills have some signature wins. They dominated the Patriots two weeks ago. They, I mean, it was 20 to 12. Their defense dominated the Jets and that Jets offense has been playing pretty well. They scored 30, I believe, or, or close to 30 the week before mm-hmm. against the Vikings. So they're playing their best football at the right time. And I think that there's still room to grow. So if you're asking the outlook of this team the rest of the way, I think that their eyes are on the prize. It's it's about the Super Bowl. It's still a Super Bowl or bust kind of year with Von Miller or without him. Um, it comes down to Josh Allen. They're bringing in, in Cole Beasley to try to supercharge this offense. And if they can fit, figure out that recipe for, you know, if they win the one seed and it's for three games, in, in at the end of January and early February, they're as good of a team in the, as there is in the league right now. There's going to be tough games. Listen, they got they end up facing Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. It's going to be an uphill battle. That team is they're just chock full of talent on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball. One of the best offensive lines, one of the best defensive lines, one of the best secondaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have arguably one of the most difficult assignments in the league at receiver and AJ Brown in all the different things that he's able to do. Um, they're physical, they have speed, so it's not going to be an easy road, but I, I have maintained through this whole thing. One of the reasons the bills sit here at 10 and three is because of the work that Bean did over the last couple of years to, to build this roster into one of the best in the league. It's deep and they got guys that could step up with other guys out. So, um, a healthy Josh Allen is the, is the most critical piece when you talk about the outlook. Without question, uh, they're they're definitely in that position. And hey, you go for it. Obviously, this league's not easy, as you mentioned it. The road will not be easy, but they're they're definitely more than capable and kind of set up for this stretch run. Uh, last thing here, um, done with the Bills talk. Um, appreciate that. 
my last thing, and this is kind of why, you know, we bring on people who talk about their careers and, you know, whatever current topic kind of is general in their career. But this is about you kind of what's the best version of yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably as dad, <laughs> I would probably say is the best version of myself. Um, when I met my wife. I was on the fence about wanting kids. Um, and now what? Almost nine years later from having my son, uh, my daughter is going to turn five in a few months as well. I couldn't imagine my life without them. And um, that's to me when I'm the best version of, of myself trying to, you know, raise two human beings is uh, such a, an overwhelming job, but I feel like it forces me out of my comfort zone in so many different ways. My wife does that as well. And uh, that's when I feel like, when I look back at my life, I think that's when I'll think I've accomplished the most based on hopefully what um, I'm able to give those to. So that's what I'd probably answer. That's awesome. I mean, uh, again, you know, it's funny because you go right back to raising your kids as the best version of yourself. You get into the, the, all the things within your career, your uncle, your brother-in-law, like it all, it all kind of intertwines just that, that family base um, that you have. So that's, that's big time. And that's awesome. Um, this is Sports Conversation with James Navalance on the Believe Network. Matt, I am so appreciative of, of your time uh, coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Take care. Of course. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.